Chapter Four of Book One of De Anima by Aristotle, translated by R. D. Hicks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Chapter Four. There is yet another opinion concerning soul which has come down to us, commending itself to many minds as readily as any that is put forward although it has been severely criticised even in the popular discussions of the present day the soul is asserted to be a kind of harmony for harmony is on this view a blending or combining of opposites and the components of the body are opposites and yet this harmony must mean either a certain proportion in the components or else the combining of them and the soul cannot possibly be either of these furthermore to cause motion is no attribute of a harmony yet this function more than any other is all but universally assigned to soul again it is more in harmony with the facts to apply the term harmony to health or bodily excellence generally than to soul as is very clearly seen when we try to assign to a harmony of whatever kind the affections or functions of the soul it is difficult to harmonize them further if we use the word harmony with a twofold application first and in its most natural sense of those magnitudes which have motion and position to denote the combining of them into a whole when they are so closely fitted together that they do not admit between them anything of the same kind and then in a secondary sense to denote the proportion subsisting between the components of a mixture in neither sense is it reasonable to call soul a harmony the view which regards it as a combining of the parts of the body is singularly open to criticism for there are many combinings of the parts and they combine in many ways what part then is that whose combining with the rest we must assume to be the intellect and in what way does it combine or again what of the sensitive and appetitive faculties but it is equally absurd to regard the soul as the proportion determining the mixture for the elements are not mixed in the same proportion in flesh as in bone thus it will follow that there are many souls and that too all over the body if we assume that all members consist of the elements variously commingled and that the proportion determining the mixture is a harmony that is soul this is a question we might ask empedocles who says that each of the parts is determined by a certain proportion is the soul then this proportion or is it rather developed in the frame as something distinct and further is it a mixture at random or a mixture in the right proportion which he ascribes to love and if the latter is love the proportion itself or something other than the proportion and distinct from it such then are the difficulties involved in this view on the other hand if soul is something distinct from the mixture how comes it that it is destroyed simultaneously with the disappearance of the quiddity of the flesh and of the other parts of the animal and further assuming that each of the separate parts has not a soul of its own unless the soul be the proportion of their admixture what is it that perishes when the soul quits the body 
from what has been said it is clear that the soul cannot be a harmony and cannot revolve in a circle but incidentally it can as we have seen move and set itself in motion for instance the body in which it is may move and be set in motion by the soul otherwise it cannot possibly move from place to place the question whether the soul is moved would more naturally arise in view of such facts as the following the soul is said to feel pain and joy confidence and fear and again to be angry to perceive and to think and all these states are held to be movements which might lead one to infer that soul itself is moved but this is no necessary inference for suppose it ever so true that to feel pain or joy and to think are movements that to experience each of these is to be moved and that the movement is due to the soul suppose that to be angry for instance or to be afraid means a particular movement of the heart and that to think means a movement of this or of some other part some of these movements being movements of locomotion others of qualitative change of what sort and how produced does not concern us here yet even then to speak of the soul as feeling anger is as if one should say that the soul weaves or builds doubtless it would be better not to say that the soul pities or learns or thinks but that the man does so with the soul and this too not in the sense that the motion occurs in the soul but in the sense that motion sometimes reaches to sometimes starts from the soul thus sensation originates in particular objects while recollection starting from the soul is directed towards the movements or traces of movements in the sense organs but intellect would seem to be developed in us as a self-existing substance and to be imperishable for if anything could destroy it it would be the feebleness of age but as things are no doubt what occurs is the same as in the case of the sense organs if an aged man could procure an eye of the right sort he would see just as well as a young man hence old age must be due to an affection or state not of the soul as such but of that in which the soul resides just as is the case in intoxication and disease in like manner then thought and the exercise of knowledge are enfeebled through the loss of something else within but are in themselves impassive but reasoning love and hatred are not attributes of the thinking faculty but of its individual possessor in so far as he possesses it hence when this possessor perishes there is neither memory nor love for these never did belong to the thinking faculty but to the composite whole which has perished while the intellect is doubtless a thing more divine and is impassive from the foregoing it is clear that the soul is incapable of motion and if it is not moved at all clearly it does not move itself now of all the views that have been put forward by far the most irrational is that which makes the soul a self-moving number its supporters are involved in many impossibilities not only in those which arise from attributing motion to the soul but also in others of a special character due to calling it a number for how are we to conceive of a unit a thing which is without parts or differences as in motion by what would it be moved and in what way 
for if it is capable of imparting motion as well as of being moved it must admit differences further since they say that a line by its motion generates a surface and that a point by its motion generates a line the movements of the units will also be lines for a point is a unit having position but the number of the soul must from the nature of the case be somewhere and have position again if you subtract a number or unit from a number a different number remains whereas plants and many animals continue to live when divided and seem to have specifically the same soul in each segment besides it would seem to make no difference whether we say units or tiny particles for if the little round atoms of democritus be converted into points and only their sum total be retained in such sum total there will still be a part which moves and a part which is moved just as there is in that which is extended the truth of this statement does not depend upon the size of the atoms whether great or small but upon the fact that there is a sum total or quantity of them hence there must be something to set the units in motion but if in the animal the part which causes motion is the soul then it is so likewise in the number so that it will not be both that which causes motion and that which is moved which is the soul but that which causes motion only how then can this cause of motion be a unit for if it were so there must be some difference between it and the other units but what is there to differentiate points which are units except position if then the units that is the points in the body are distinct from the units of soul the units of soul will be in the same place as the points for each unit will occupy the space of a point and yet if two things can be in the same place why not an infinite number when the place which things occupy is indivisible the things themselves are also indivisible if on the other hand the number of the soul consists of the points in the body or if the soul is the number of such points why are not all bodies possessed of soul for in all bodies there would seem to be points nay an infinity of points and further how can the points be separated and set free from the bodies to which they belong unless indeed we are prepared to resolve lines into points chapter five it comes to this then as we have said first that this view coincides with that which makes of the soul a body composed of fine particles next that its agreement with democritus as to the manner in which he makes the body to be moved by the soul gives it an especial absurdity of its own if the soul resides in the whole sentient body on the assumption that the soul is a sort of body it necessarily follows that two bodies occupy the same space those who call the soul a number have to assume many points in the one point or else that everything corporeal has a soul unless the number that comes to exist in the body is a different number quite distinct from the sum of the points already present in the body hence it follows that the animal is moved by the number in the same way precisely as we said democritus moved it for what difference does it make whether we speak of small round atoms or large units or indeed of units in spatial motion at all either way it is necessary to make the motion of the animal depend on the motion of these atoms or units such then are some of the difficulties confronting those who join motion and number 
and there are many others since it is impossible that the conjunction of motion with number should form even an attribute much less the definition of soul this will be evident if we try to deduce from this definition the affections and functions of the soul its reasonings perceptions pleasures pains and so forth for as we said above from the account given it is difficult even to divine what these functions are three modes of defining the soul have come down to us some defined it as that which in virtue of itself motion is most capable of causing motion others as the body which consists of the finest particles or which is more nearly incorporeal than anything else and we have pretty fully explained what difficulties and inconsistencies these views present it remains to consider what is meant by saying that the soul is composed of the elements soul we are told is composed of the elements in order that it may perceive and know each several thing but this theory necessarily involves many impossibilities for it is assumed that like is known by like which implies that soul is identical with the things that it knows these elements however are not all that exists there are a great or perhaps we should say rather an infinite number of other things as well namely those which are compounded of the elements granted then that it is possible for the soul to know and to perceive the constituent elements of all these composite things with what will it know or perceive the compound itself i mean what god or man is what flesh or bone is and so likewise with regard to any other composite thing for it is not elements taken anyhow which constitute this or that thing but only those which are united in a given proportion or combination as empedocles says of bone Quote, then did the bounteous earth in broad-bosomed crucibles win out of eight parts two from the sheen of moisture and four from the fire-god and the bones came into being all white it is therefore of no use for the elements to be in the soul unless it also contains their proportions and the mode of combining them for each element will know its like but there will be nothing to know bone or man unless these also are to be present in the soul which i need hardly say is impossible who would ask if stone or man resides in the soul and similarly with that which is good and that which is not good and so for all the rest being again is a term which has various meanings signifying sometimes the particular thing sometimes quantity or quality or any other of the categories which have been already determined is the soul to be derived from all of these or not it cannot be the general opinion is that there are no elements common to all the categories does the soul then consist of those elements alone which are the elements of substances how then does it know each of the other categories or will they say that each summum genus has special elements and principles of its own and that the soul is composed of these then soul will be at once quantity quality and substance but it is impossible from the elements of quantity to derive substance or anything but quantity these then and others like them are the difficulties which confront those who derive soul from all the elements there is a further inconsistency in maintaining that like is unaffected by like 
and yet at the same time that like perceives like and knows like by like but they assume that perceiving is a sort of being acted upon or moved and the same holds of thinking and knowing of the many problems and difficulties involved in holding with empedocles that each thing is known through corporeal elements and by reference to its like what has just been said is evidence for it would seem whatever within the bodies of animals consists entirely of earth such as bones sinews hair perceives nothing at all and consequently cannot perceive its like as in consistency it should moreover each one of the elemental principles will have a far larger share of ignorance than of intelligence there being many things of which it will be ignorant and only one which it will know in fact it will be ignorant of all besides that one it follows for empedocles at any rate that god is quite the most unintelligent of beings there is one of the elements viz strife which he and he alone will not know while mortal things being composed of all the elements will know them all and in general seeing that everything is either an element or derived from one or more or all elements why should not all things that exist have soul for they must certainly know one thing or some things or all it might further be asked what it is that gives them unity for the elements at all events correspond to matter that other principle whatever it be which holds them together is supreme yet it is impossible that anything should be superior to the soul and overrule it and still more impossible that anything should overrule intelligence this it may reasonably be held has a natural priority and authority yet we are told that the elements are prior to all other things that exist and it is characteristic alike of those who derive the soul from the elements on the ground of perception and knowledge and of those who define it as the thing most capable of causing motion that their assertions do not apply to soul in every form for not all sentient beings can cause motion some animals are seen to be stationary in one place and yet it is at all events a received view that this namely change of place is the one form of motion which the soul imparts to the animal similarly with those who derive intelligence and the faculty of sense from the elements for plants are found to live without any share in locomotion or sensation and many animals to be destitute of thought if we waive this point and assume intellect to be a part of the soul and the faculty of sense likewise even then their statements would not apply generally to all soul nor to the whole of any one soul the account given in the so-called orphic poems is open to the same strictures for the soul it is there asserted enters from the universe in the process of respiration being borne upon the winds now it is impossible that this should be so with plants or even with some animals seeing that they do not all respire a point which the upholders of this theory have overlooked and if the soul is to be constructed out of the elements there is no need to employ them all the one of a pair of contraries being sufficient to discern both itself and its opposite for by that which is straight we discern both the straight and the crooked the carpenter's rule being the test of both on the other hand that which is crooked is not a test of itself or of that which is straight 
there are some too who say that soul is interfused throughout the universe which is perhaps why thales supposed all things to be full of gods but this view presents some difficulties for why should the soul not produce an animal when present in air or fire and yet do so when present in the compounds of these elements and that too though in the former case it is believed to be purer one might also inquire why the soul present in air is purer and more immortal than soul in animals whichever of the two suppositions open to us we adopt is absurd and irrational to speak of fire or air as an animal is very irrational and on the other hand not to call them animals if they contain soul is absurd but it would seem that the reason why they suppose soul to be in these elements is that the whole is homogeneous with its parts so that they cannot help regarding universal soul as also homogeneous with the parts of it in animals since it is through something of the surrounding element being cut off and enclosed in animals that the animals become endowed with soul but if the air when split up remains homogeneous and yet soul is divisible into non-homogeneous parts it is clear that although one part of soul may be present in the air there is another part which is not either then soul must be homogeneous or else it cannot be present in every part of the universe from what has been said it is evident that it is not because the soul is compounded of the elements that knowledge belongs to it nor is it correct or true to say that the soul is moved knowledge however is an attribute of the soul and so are perception opinion desire wish and appetency generally animal locomotion also is produced by the soul and likewise growth maturity and decay shall we then say that each of these belongs to the whole soul that we think that is and perceive and are moved and in each of the other operations act and are acted upon with the whole soul or that the different operations are to be assigned to different parts and what of life itself does it reside in any single one or more or all of these parts or has it a cause entirely distinct now some say that the soul is divisible and that one part of it thinks another desires what is it then which holds the soul together if naturally divisible assuredly it is not the body on the contrary the soul seems rather to hold the body together at all events when it has departed the body disperses in air and rots away if then the unity of soul is due to some other thing that other thing would be properly speaking soul we shall need then to repeat the inquiry respecting it also whether it is one or manifold for if it has unity why not attribute unity to the soul itself at the outset if however it be divisible then again reason will go on to ask what it is that holds it together and so the inquiry will go on to infinity it might also be asked what power each of the parts of the soul exercises in the body for if the entire soul holds together the whole body then each of its parts ought properly to hold together some part of the body but this seems impossible for it is difficult even to conjecture what part the intellect will hold together or how it can hold any part together it is found that plants and among animals certain insects or analyta live when divided which implies that the soul in their segments is specifically though not numerically the same 
at any rate each of the two segments retains sentience and the power of locomotion for some time that they do not continue to do so is not surprising as they lack the organs requisite to maintain their nature but none the less all the parts of the soul are contained in each of the two segments and the two halves of the soul are homogeneous alike with one another and with the whole a fact which implies that while the parts of the soul are inseparable from one another the soul as a whole is divisible it would seem that the vital principle in plants also is a sort of soul for this principle is the only one common to plants and animals and while it can be separated from the sensitive principle no being which has sensation is without it end of chapter five and end of book one recording in memory of mitchell edwards